This is College Dame Day, a podcast for college football fans, hosted by three sisters who recap last week's games, talk about upcoming matchups, and find some time to trash talk the teams they don't like. Let's join Megan, Amy, and Laura as they break the huddle and kick off this week's episode. Welcome everybody to College Dame Day. This segment we are counting down um, from 12 to 1. Uh, last week we counted down from 25 to 13 of the best college football moments of 2019. So we'll go ahead and kick things off starting at number 12. I chose this one. I selected Illinois versus Wisconsin because it was a major upset, had big implications for the Big Ten. And I thought it was a really interesting game. And going back this week, looking at it, I was trying to figure out like how Illinois won. I was like, is it because they had less turnovers? Did they have more yardage? And I could not figure it out. And I think it boiled down to a few things. So I'm kind of interested to get you guys' feedback. Um, I took a look at Jonathan Taylor. Typically he averages around 6.3 yards a carry. He had 4.7. So yard between a yard and two. Um, But essentially what I came down to was turnovers and penalties. So I just thought that was kind of interesting because Wisconsin had more like rushing yards. They had more um, passing yards. They had better field position but the penalties and the turnovers cost them. Yeah, I think Wisconsin like wasn't very sharp this game. And I think what it boils down to is they were playing Ohio State the very next weekend after Illinois. And I think it's just a classic case of like looking past um, the team you're playing, you know, kind of like a scrub team, which Illinois can make you pay. And they did here. But I think they were just looking past them, not playing Wisconsin football. Yeah, it didn't look like Wisconsin football. You know, Wisconsin's a lot like Iowa where they wear you down. They play really disciplined. They're very consistent. And this game, they did have so many fumbles, so many interceptions, um, so many mistakes. And I think Illinois really capitalized on those. I will say Jack Cohn didn't have a great game. And Illinois' quarterback, Brandon Peters, had a phenomenal game. He had some amazing throws. And so I think it was one of those cases where the stars aligned and Illinois played probably the perfect game and Wisconsin had a really off week and they lost. (laughs) That's what happened. And they sucked. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Okay. I'm like Wisconsin tonight. Okay. Great start, you guys. Before we move on, can we talk about Illinois' uniforms? Okay, I was at the um, pumpkin patch this day, um, and I kept like getting all these texts from people like, oh my gosh, Illinois is going to be Wisconsin. And so I was like, I didn't watch this whole game. I just have seen the highlights from it. So no, I don't remember. Did they okay. have like alternate jerseys? I on? don't know what they were. They were completely gray, like solid gray top, solid gray bottom. And then the helmets were like kind of an off gray color. Like a different shade of gray. It was like a matte blue almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a bluish gray, but it was not blue. I mean, it was still like in that gray family of color. So did you like them or dislike them? No, I didn't like them. I thought they looked terrible. Well, it was obviously lucky for them. So hmm. I just felt like they looked like little rats scurrying around on the field. But maybe that's just me. Here's the thing. I don't mind them. Like, I don't like the color orange, really, anyway. Orange, yeah, like, I I think they look better than the regular. Like, I just don't really like that orange-blue, like, I don't know. I was just going to say, they took orange out. It doesn't look like Illinois, so maybe that's what shook Wisconsin, is they're like, wait a minute. Is Who is this opponent? <laughs> who is this? Mm-hmm. 
There we go. I think we've hit upon the problem. That's right. That's right. But anyway, big upset. I was following it. I was watching another game, but I kept seeing like the, the score scrolling and Illinois scored 10 in the fourth quarter. So I remember they like scored and I was like, Ooh, they're pulling close. And then flipped it over like toward the very end when they hit, I think they had a hit a game winning field goal. Um, but I thought that was a pretty, pretty good game. Definitely wasn't expecting that outcome. Big upset, upset in the big 10. So that was my number 12. Number 11. Well, my number 11 got voted down. So it got voted down by Megan. No, here's the thing. I don't think it was that game. Was it Megan? You were the one that sent us that play and you were like, LOL, LOL, is so funny. Okay. But I didn't think it was from that game. I remember it was Mississippi state quarterback. Um, it was not the starting quarterback. I don't believe, I think it was the backup and he was running for the first down and he leapt into the air, spun around like a helicopter and didn't make the first down, but I don't think it was against K-State, was it? Okay. Kansas state versus Mississippi state insane helicopter. It is. I was right here. I'll send it to you. Insane helicopter hit 2019. Okay, I just got it. Okay, you're right. <laughs> it is a pretty good hit. Okay, thank you. When we were doing the top 25 countdown, I thought it was more like moments hits rather than like whole games, which I know anything like an upset kind of counts too. That's why I just picked that play because it was just, it was funny. I don't know. I go for humor. But do you guys want to talk about Ohio State Clemson instead? I mean, that was a great game. I feel like that was a really pivotal game in the season. Obviously, it was a playoff game. I'm still kind of mad about that game, so I don't know that I'm emotionally ready to talk about it. There's no doubt in my mind Ohio State was the better team, and Clemson yeah. outplayed them. It was frustrating to watch. The refs helped a little, too. Yes, yes. They got some – Ohio State got some bad calls. Yeah, it was Happy. a hard game to watch just because I wanted the Big Ten to represent – I felt like Ohio State was the better team. Well, I think Clemson kind of pulled out the playbook for Trevor Lawrence against them because I don't think Ohio State was ready to contend with him being a running quarterback. I think they were thinking they would have to go into it with him making passes. And so I think the game plan threw Ohio State off and they weren't able to adjust fast enough. Mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence got hit really hard. Maybe it was like an adrenaline rush or something, but he played a really good game. So that was a big difference, I think. Yeah, I have nothing more to add. I'm still upset about that game, so. All right, well. (laughs) This is going so good, you guys. (laughs) You guys, our energy is so low. We're like, "Mm, okay, whatever. (laughs) All right. Okay, let's go on to number 10 because I'm super excited about this one. All right, so number 11, a little bit of a bonus, had two picks. Let's head on to number 10. Amy is very excited to discuss this one. Okay, Amy's excited to discuss it, but this is actually my pick. It's, it's actually Megan's pick. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Amy's excited, but Megan's pick. Yes, this occurred on October 19th. It was Oklahoma versus West Virginia, and I'm referring to the Sooner Schooner upset. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see it in my head. I'm not even watching it. It's so funny. My favorite part about this, and I feel really bad for the girl, but like the height she got getting tossed out of the wagon was really impressive. Um, and I remember like the announcer being like, "Oh, jujitsu! She, she should have like tucked and rolled." No, she did. She rolled right out of it. She, 
did he did roll, but he's like, you gotta protect that shoulder because she hit hard. But she popped right back up. She did. She did. So and this is actually not the first time that the uh, the schooner has had a little bit of a spill. Um, when I was researching back in '93, um, it also took a little tumble. Very similar. The chick got taken down with it, and the guy driving it had to jump out to the right. The funniest thing is right beforehand, he's like casually leaning back. I'm like, <laughs> yes, he was like his one elbows down. <laughs> Yeah, he's, like, chillaxing, driving the thing, like, no care in the world. Like, lazy boy driving it. And uh, same same thing, takes a sharp corner, and you see him, like, leap off to the side, and she just goes down with the, with the wagon. Um, and the announcers are so funny, because you know that they know they have to keep talking, but they don't know what to say. Um, it's, it's pretty classic. Um, so you guys should definitely check that out, too. It's against Colorado. I watched it right before we started this, and it was funny. There was a guy inside the wagon, too, that apparently got hurt, and <laughs> they totally didn't know what to say because they were like, there was a young lady that was hurt as well, but there's someone injured in the wagon, and it's obviously not her because we see pants. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. But, like, the guy inside, I think, like, got clotheslined by, like, the top of the wagon or something. It's gold, too. Well, actually, and the funny thing, too, is, like, the person that runs in the field, like, behind them and, like, does the uh, Oklahoma flag, you know how they, like, wave it back and forth, like, that giant flag? So, like, everyone's attending to the person that fell, and he ended up popping up later, so he's fine, too, which makes me feel better. But the guy with the flag didn't know what to do, so he just stood in the huddle while all the football players were there and, like, kept waving it back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) Doing his job. Get off the field, sir. (laughs) No, but, like, when the wagon tipped over there, like, the one this year, like, the horses took off and the wagon, but this one, the horses were still connected, and the, everyone, they had to get, like, all the, like, the refs are even helping, like, tip the wagon back up on it. Yeah, imagine, like, a barn raising. They're like, one, two, heave-ho! <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. Okay, so I googled this right before we started, too, because I wanted to watch the Sooner Schooner crash in 1993. And I have to say the 2019 one is better because the horses are still like able to run. So they just completely take off. And so the people on the field are like split between like half of them are helping the people that were riding in the Sooner Schooner. And the other half are like madly running after the horses who are like galloping across the field. (laughs) There was like a ton of like debris that like went everywhere too in this one. It was just like mayhem. Yeah, well, in both of them, the axle of the schooner actually tore up the field. Yep. Yeah, there was, like, major damage inflicted upon the field, not to mention the poor people who were tossed out of the wagon. So I'm surprised that they still do this at games. It'll be interesting to see if the Sooner Schooner continues to make appearances or not, because it seems like it's just a a big risk. I hope it still goes on, because you know there's going to be more of these (laughs) green years to come. They should go to, like, miniature horses that, like, trot on the field. The the horses in the first one, though, they almost were, like, little teeny ponies. I don't know. They look like little ponies. They didn't look like horses. But I will say, OU fared better in the game this time than they did. Because did they lose that game to Colorado in 93? 
I think so, because the announcers were like, nothing is going their way, and they finally scored, and so they only kicked a field goal, and they were so excited to get on the field, and they overturned the wagon, and the, re- and the announcer was like, ooh, not not going well today for Oklahoma. Not a good day. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, if anyone has some free time, which we know you all do, go ahead and check uh, both of them out, and then Amy wants to know which one you guys think is worse. We can, I can put that up as people can vote on which one is the better crush. I like it. All right. Well, let's move on to number nine. Okay. This one is my pick. And this is Wandale's first touchdown run. Kind of the whole Illinois game, though, just because it was such an amazing comeback. Um, but it was also like the kickoff to his career. And I think it's a little like symbolism of that exact play. Like, that's exactly how we should be using him. I don't like using him as like a power back like we did. Yeah, he's too too little. Um, he shouldn't be like running through bodies, but like that short little pass, like shake and bake, give him a little bit of open field and he can create his own space. Like that that defender didn't have a chance at tackling him. That, that move was so sick. I don't know. I just love everything about that play. So you're picking specifically his, his first touchdown run. Yes, specifically his first touchdown, but the whole game was, I think, a good note for us just because we were lo- we've been losing so many close games in the past couple seasons that it was nice to like have a comeback and win one. Yeah, I agree. I forgot. So I actually watched this game. I was in a wedding and it started when we were at the reception and Michael had it on his phone and then we left and came home and watched the rest of it. And so I obviously remember the game because we ended up winning, but I don't remember how much of a comeback it was. Like you said, when I was kind of going through the highlights, I didn't realize that in the third quarter, we were down 35, 21. And the fact that we battled back there, I really appreciated our mental toughness during that game. And then, like you said, Wandale put the team on his back for the most part. He got, I think he ended with three touchdowns and then Mills had two, but essentially Wandale got switched to playing eye back because both Washington and Mills ended up going out. And if you watch like the third and fourth quarter, it is pretty much the Wandale Robinson show. Yeah, I think this game gave him a lot of confidence. And I think it was really sort of the launching point for him stepping up really as a leader of the team. I mean, I know he's so young, but I think by the end of the season, he really was one of the leaders in his performance on the field, but then just as a part of the team as a whole. He had like big plays in other games before, but I honestly think getting in the end zone kind of like sparked his like leadership role too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, and it was a great game for Nebraska as well. There's two things I appreciated in addition to, you know, what he did and the team did. The first is in the, I want to say it's the first quarter um, on the third and six, we threw the ball deep over the field to him and he went up, like he had to climb the ladder for that catch and he gets absolutely popped like it's as close as you can get to a legal tackle without it being targeting and he hung on to that ball so first of all major props on that secondly the biggest takeaway for this thing is we ran a swing pass and it went for positive yards people i was shocked hey that is significant i was shocked we did have the swing pass that scored against Colorado. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> the one time it ever worked. <laughs> I, I understand, but we're not talking about that game. So I have to mention it. I hate that play so much. Everyone does. We're like, no. I know. Any kind of like bubble screen swing pass. It's like, oh. 
but yeah, I was, I was very impressed with Wandale that game. That was an exciting game and it was extremely crucial that we won. So I'm glad we pulled out for a W there. (laughs) Yeah. I thought about saying it. There was like a brief moment of opportunity and I got it. I capitalized on it. Okay. All right. Moving on. At number eight, we have Oklahoma versus Iowa state. Iowa State came storming back in the fourth quarter and almost upset Oklahoma. This game was played in Norman. Um, Oklahoma came off the win, 42-41. This was an insane game. I did not realize that Brock Purdy threw for five touchdowns. I mean, he's not someone that stands out to me as like an amazing pocket passer or anything like that. I was shocked to see that statistic when I was reviewing it. OU secondary that game, because I watched the highlights, was so bad. Every single... Mm-hmm. A touchdown long play was like a pass play. In fact, I have a little PSA here. Um, the CDC is recommending that everyone stay six feet apart from others, just like OU's defense in that game. <laughs> <laughs> because it was that bad. It's true. Like, their secondary was awful. Okay, but here's the thing. Neither team played any defense. It was a classic Big 12 shootout. Well, I mean, there was some, like, fumble. Jalen Hurts threw an interception at the end of the game, and Iowa State caused the fumble. I think CeeDee Lamb, I think they popped it free when he was, like, running, um, like, after a catch or something. And so I think their defense kind of, like, came up with some plays in the second half, which is what kept them in it. But I'm just talking specifically about OU's, like, secondary in the back. Like, they couldn't they couldn't cover anyone. They couldn't guard anyone. It was, it was awful. Yeah, I mean, like you said, no defense, kind of classic to the Big 12. So coming down to the fourth quarter, just to kind of paint the picture, there's about two and a half minutes left in the fourth. Hertz is scrambling in the pocket and throws an interception, which goes back to my point from last week's podcast. He does not take care of the ball in high-pressure situations. Anyway, turns the ball over. Then Iowa State has a chance. Oklahoma gets in a position where they're in third and 13. Brock Purdy scrambles for about 17 yards, gets a first down. Then Iowa State scores with 23 seconds left, and they decide to go for two. Yeah, I was going to ask what what you guys thought about that decision. I don't like it. Amy, you think they should not have done that? No, they have all the momentum, like all the momentum in the world. Some people are saying there's pass interference on that. I don't think there's pass interference there, but I don't think that's, A, the right call. I think you kick it and you go into overtime. And B, I don't think it's the right play if you are going to go for two. Like, why are you passing into such, like, tight coverage? They had, like, two or three receivers in the same spot because the one OU guy came over and then, like, kind of, like, hit him as the other guy was getting the ball. And it was just, like, it was a bad call and a bad play call. So that's how I feel about it. I think you go into OT there. Uh, I'm 50-50 on this one just because you are playing at OU, so you're on their home field. Do you take the chance to put the game away? Uh, I don't know. I think you do have the, like Amy said, the momentum of the game on your side. I don't actually mind the play call. I don't think they ran it correctly, obviously. Um, And pass interference, I don't think there was pass interference. Iowa State went on to go ahead and kick an onside kick, which they did not recover. But I I don't know. I'm 50-50 on this one. Megan, what do you think? Well, I mean, I think it is very comparable to the Clemson game where um, UNC decided to go for two against Clemson just because I think it's pretty established that Oklahoma is the better team. And I think Iowa State has them kind of on the rocks. They have the chance to go, you know, one play, seal the deal. You have them on the rocks or you have them on the ropes? 
Rachel Smith it. Yes, she does. She wants a martini. I thought that was the scene on the ropes is what it is. Yeah, because you're boxing and you're like hitting them and they're like leaning into oh. the ropes because you're hitting them. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Iowa State has them on the ropes and you go for it with one play, you can win the game. Um, and not drag it out, you know, where Oklahoma probably has a better chance of outplaying you. But see, I don't I don't think so, because like if you get the ball with like more field to work with, that's where you're going to take advantage of OU secondary because they hadn't been showing up all night. You score like Oklahoma didn't score in the last I don't know how many minutes. So Iowa State's defense was holding them. I think you'd go into overtime. You get that field to work with where you can take advantage of their secondary you score and then you hold them and you win well I mean in hindsight I do agree with Amy they should have just picked it and then gone into overtime it's so simple so simple you guys <laughs> it is it really is so simple okay clearly clearly the wrong call all right number seven South Carolina upsetting Georgia in two overtimes what did you guys think I was shoe shopping but Michael had on his phone this was the same time as the Red River, what is it now? It's not the shootout anymore. Showdown. Showdown, rivalry, whatever. And so I was flipping between the Oklahoma-Texas game and this game, but then I I just started watching this late in the fourth quarter, like I was watching this exclusively. There, it was horrible clock management by both teams in the fourth quarter. And then I don't know what South Carolina was doing like it, it was fourth and three and there's a like a minute left or something and they decide to kick a 57 yard field goal instead of going for it plus wasn't the weather terrible no it was nice oh yeah i'm pretty sure it was like sunny there i mean it's probably like high humidity because it was south carolina or no no it was in georgia wasn't it was it in athens it was it was in georgia yeah so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they were doing going for that fifty-seven yard field goal. I think you like go for it on fourth down. George is obviously going to get the ball with like a minute left anyway with at that part of the field. So why not go for it? I don't. know. I just thought it was horrible play. Like this game shouldn't have gone into overtime. I don't think, let alone two. But it was an exciting game to watch. It was crazy. You know, I love myself some Jake Fromm, um, but he had. An awful game. He did not look good. He threw three interceptions. The other thing that stuck out was that Swift only scored one touchdown. So clearly the running game was not working, nor was the passing game working. Not all of those interceptions were his fault. True. One or two were tipped passes, which was on the receiver. But yeah, he still did not look sharp that game. Yeah, that brings up the question just of Jake Fromm's decision to go to the NFL after the season he had. That kind of surprised me that he decided not to stay for his final year, just considering how much he struggled this whole season. What did you guys think? I was kind of hoping maybe the Colts would get him and he would get a lot better (laughs) if we could draft him. Um, I don't know. And I should have done more research. Was he worried about continuing with someone for the quarterback job? I can't imagine he is since he beat out Justin Fields. I know. I was going to say, I think Kirby's been very clear that Jake's his guy. You know, I think if he had stayed, he would have had a starting position. It's hard to imagine him not. I agree. That's why I, that's why I'm just confused. And I'm like, there has to be some analytic piece that I'm missing. I'm pretty surprised by it. So yeah, I can't imagine that being a good move for him personally. Well, we will see. He didn't test very well, but 
upcoming draft. We'll we'll see what happens. All white guys can do okay in the NFL. Just ask Tom Brady. Or Peyton Manning. Oh, yep, exactly. All right, number six. Is that mine? Mac Brown dances in the locker room. Oh, yes. That was gold. Um, I'm specifically talking about the first dance he did after they beat South Carolina. I think it was the first game of the season. Um, but I think he did dance when they became bowl eligible. And then I think they did they win their bowl game. There He danced several times throughout the season. But I really liked that first one. I was going to say, I think this one just gave him the confidence to, yeah, to keep it continue up. Continue breaking it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's about as classic old white guy as you can get. Um, who put, who would you most want to see dance next season? Megan. I put that cause I thought that would be a fun question. It, it is a fun question. Like if you could pick any coach besides Mac Brown to see dance in the locker room after winning a game, who would you want to see? And, and like he has to give it his all. Yes. Well, Amy's going to pick Scott Frost. Okay. <laughs> Amy's like, he has no shirt on and he's break dancing and he's really good. <laughs> and he's twerking. <laughs> okay. I will have you know that that was not who I picked. I picked Nick Saban <laughs> just because I cannot picture it at all. And I would like to see him like I, he could maybe pull off like the robot or something like, but, but I want to see him like break it down, like try and dance. I think that would be really amusing because he'd never, I don't know. That's just like not him at all. I went with Frank Solis just because he's the oldest coach now. So him breaking it down would be awesome. And he could do his happy elf dance. It would be like that app where you can like elf yourself. I think he's pretty spry for an old guy. I think so. Yeah. I think he could do a decent job. I think he could get it done. Megan, who would you pick? Um, I was going to say Nick Saban as well, but since you took that, um, I might go with Scott Satterfield. He is the head coach at Louisville and he's probably the whitest guy. No, I have it. Finish your thought. And then I have, I have the whitest person. I, I was just, I think he would be about on par with Nick Saban in terms of the awkward, you know, robot dance, maybe. Okay. Now I have it. Jim Harbaugh. He's wearing khakis. He rips them off to reveal more khakis. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, no, no. I've got it. Paul Chris. <laughs> Megan was a little too enthusiastic on that. She's like, ooh. He has, he has rip away khakis. I, I don't know. I could see I could see Jim Harbaugh like busting out the worm or something. <laughs> no, I've got Paul Chris. <laughs> Paul Chris. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Paul Chris would get down and not get back up. I would feel so much better about myself if I could see that. Uh, that's right. Okay. Well, but <laughs> we look forward to any and all of the coaches dancing in 2020. Number five, we have Jack Cohn getting leveled in the Big Ten Championship game. And Brutus covering his eyes. Well, I think that this was great for several reasons. First of all, I watched it about 10 or 20 times on repeat, and it just got funnier every single time. But I love how, like, there was no flag. Was it was it targeting or something? It looked very close to targeting. It looked close, but I don't think it was. Like, I slowed it down and watched it. I don't think it was. But the fact that no one even, like, checked on him or, like, considered checking the play out is shocking to me. Yeah. Yeah, I get it to last play of the game, so it's just like, and I was like, woohoo, Jack Cohn's got like a concussion. Honestly, though, this game, 
it made me nervous for the first time watching Ohio State and like me doubting their ability to win the national championship. And I, I just, I had a bad feeling watching that game. I do know that like Ohio State kind of like recovered in the second half and came out and like took care of business, but it wasn't like their usual dominating way. And it was just like the first time I was like, oh, I'm worried now. But you have to remember that Wisconsin played Ohio State earlier in the season, and it's so hard to beat a team twice because they have your playbook then. And Wisconsin, I have to give it to Paul Chris. I think he's a great coach. He prepared the heck out of Wisconsin. They had Ohio State on the rocks, no, on the ropes. Ryan Day went into the locker room at halftime, made adjustments, and came out. So Ohio State was clearly the better team to me. I think Wisconsin prepared and game planned really, really well. Um, throwing it back to Brutus though, what makes it hilarious. And again, another video you guys should check out is the fact that he has like these giant eyes and his like hands cover his entire eyes. So it's like blink, blink. Like you can't even look at what's going on and like no one else cares, but Brutus seems very, very worried about him. Yes. Yes. Brutus has that like perpetually surprised look on his face. So yes. (laughs) The guy next to Brutus thought too, though, because he like gasps and covers his mouth. Yes. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yes, he does. I forgot about that part. There was other people that noticed it. <laughs> They're like, whatever, game over. Let's go home and eat dinner. <laughs> Moving on. The ref's like, too much work. Yes. Too much work. Well done. I'm going to watch it. All right. Well, while Amy pulls that up, let's move on to number four. <laughs> the guy next to him covers his whole face. <laughs> it is It is pretty funny. <laughs> oh, it's a person. And everyone else is like running out and shake hands. It's like only those two notice. It's like Ohio State split second notices him and then turns right and they run off the field. They're like, no, too much work. We're good. He's just like looking around with his hands still over like, is it safe now? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. He's like a giant puppet. He's like, oh, I can't believe what I just saw. It's like horrified. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to number four. Number four was the Nebraska win over Northwestern, capped off by Lane McCallum kicking the field goal. McCallum, McCallum, McCallum. Yes, yes. A heart-pounding game for sure. Um, A little closer than I would have liked it to have been, but... Heisman, Heisman. MVP. I like, listen, I don't even care that it was ugly or that we barely won. I don't even care. I'm just glad we won. That's That's the point I'm in. Yeah, I don't like Northwestern. Didn't want to lose to them. Nope, don't like that. It was very important to me that we had that victory. They're like the Toby of Northwestern Toby Northwesterners, the Toby Flenderson of the football world. Yes, exactly. Um, of the Big Ten, at least. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, because here's the thing. I, well, first of all, I was talking so much crap about Northwestern and how they're going to have a sucky season and like not even get to 500 or get very many wins at all. And I was completely right. But if we had been one of those wins, that would. You didn't say that. What? You didn't say that. <laughs> Megan's just hard okay. calling out Amy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Listen, she knows that that gets under my skin, so I'm like not even responding. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, classic. But like, do you guys remember how dominant we were in the '90s and even somewhat in like the 2000s? I do remember that. <laughs> I think all Husker fans hold on to that. So yes. <laughs> okay. Well, and it used to be like okay, like when we would just like win by like a touchdown or two it was just like oh that wasn't a great game or whatever and it was just like only blowouts counted but now my pride is all gone my dignity is all gone I just want to win like I don't even care and I think Scott summed it up at the end when he was like I think I could have jumped as high as that field goal because it was so low and ugly 
but it went in and that's all I care about. I thought he missed it at first because like I, the sound of him like hitting it and then I didn't see the ball for a while and I thought it got blocked. I did too. And then you see it like the very bottom of the screen, like just, just clearing the uprights. Yeah. And here's, here's the like kicker, no pun intended of this game. It is a 24 yard field goal. Like any other year with Nebraska's kickers, this is a gimme, like a 50 yard is a gimme. We were stressed out a 24 yard field goal. And you're right. I think it went about, how high does that have to clear the bar? 14 feet, maybe? I think it went about 14.5. Yeah, it was it was real low. But it went in. That's what she said. <laughs> Darn it. I keep doing that. <laughs> All right, that was good. Number three, we have LSU versus Texas. Um, this is one of the earlier games in the season. LSU ended up with the win, uh, 45 to 38. I went back and watched this game and I forgot how good Texas looked that game. But I don't like thinking back on it. Was LSU just not as good as they were at the end of the season and they got better or is Texas that good and then went the other way? Yeah, I've wondered that myself and I don't have an answer. <laughs> that Burrow's hair was really cute this game. He really had it like styled well. The takeaway for me this game was that I was actually more impressed with Ellinger than I was Burrow. Uh, Burrow, when I was watching back, had a lot of time in the pocket. His receivers were plucking everything out of the air. But Ellinger was had a lot of pressure on him. He was throwing in tight windows, kind of zipping the ball to his receivers. Um, so I was actually I was more impressed with Ellinger this game. I after this performance thought LSU looked good, but I wasn't on the Burrow. And I know it was a very very early game in the season, but I was not on the Burrow bandwagon yet. And I feel like they kind of almost crossed over LSU kind of took the upward path and Ellinger and Texas kind of fell off at, at the rest of the season, but it was a really good game. It was back and forth and Texas almost came back at the very end. Do you guys remember the end of the game? Yes. I actually forgot how close Texas came to winning that game. That's why I was so excited for this Ohio state LSU matchup because the margin of victory, like LSU was just like eking out wins at this point, And Ohio State was just like blowing people out of the water. And I get that their like competitors, like who they were playing might have been like, I think people think that the SEC or even teams like Texas, who they're playing out of conference is a little stronger, but still the margin of victory was so out of proportion that I do think, I think winning so many early on in such a big way kind of hurt Ohio State. And for LSU winning these close ones, because they, I think, was it Auburn that was just, they only won by a field goal, like three points. Yeah. Had a bunch of close ones. And I think that that like built their confidence up winning tighter games to where then they were at, at the end of their season where Ohio State was like. This was definitely a pivotal game. I mean, this was week two. And I think you're right. Like, I think this was the beginning of LSU's confidence. I think probably the most important play of the whole game was when LSU was up six with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And it was like third and 17. And instead of just playing it safe, trying to run a little bit, make some room, you know, for a better punt, they decide to throw. And this is when I became a big Joe Burrow fan because he stands in the pocket forever and ever, takes the hit and throws a perfect pass. Um, which leads then to the final LSU score where they go up 45 to 38 and or actually 45 to 31 at that point. And I think that was really important for LSU just because 
they've been such a defensive team historically. And I think at this moment, we kind of saw LSU is changing. They now have an offense and they really believe in this offense. Anyway, I just think it was it was a pivotal moment in the season, a pivotal moment in just the LSU mindset as well. Um, and I think it did give them a ton of confidence, um, which they clearly carried throughout the season. The end of the game was super close. Texas came, they, they basically got to 38. So it's 45-38 with 20 seconds left. And they did an onside kick, which they recovered. But the guy is like inches out of bounds. I mean, it is so close to Texas getting that ball recovered. Um, so I thought this was one of the, I think overall, one of the best games of the season. If we're not talking postseason playoffs and, and, and onward, I think this is one of the best games. Before we move on to number two, I'm going to go ahead and correct myself. The goalposts are only 10 feet high, which when I think about it makes way more sense because people that would be able to throw the ball over if it was 14 feet should be playing in the NBA. So anywho. <laughs> However, neither of you corrected me, so I'm taking you down with me. All right. Listen, when you're as short as me and Amy, everything like above seven feet looks about the same. So... Okay, I will have you know that when I was like early 20s, when I was playing college basketball, I could dunk on an eight foot goal. Like I could throw down alley oops. An eight foot eight goal? Foot, like when you moved the um, basketball hoop down to eight feet, I could dunk on that like easily. And I I can't even dunk at like seven, six now. It's really, anyway, it's sad. You have to keep working on that 14 feet. Moving on to number two, we have the Nebraska-Maryland game. Yes, this was my pick, so I will talk about it. What stands out to me? <laughs> this isn't even your point. This is mine. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be like a monologue. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maryland-Nebraska, a story. I'm Amy Embry. <laughs> Okay, but it's my pick, so I'm just going to go ahead and answer that question. Can't talk to me. Good question. Okay. Okay, I'll go I'll go a different route then. What I remember about this game, it was so nice to relax and eat snacks and just like enjoy myself. I forgot what that was like. I'm not even kidding. It was it was so nice. <laughs> I don't even remember what I was saying. What's so funny? You said you were enjoying yourself. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Does anyone remember those memes of like SpongeBob when he's like, I eat, I'm a head out or whatever. And he's like standing up and leaving the room. Every single game I got to a point where I felt like that, except for the Northern Illinois game and this game. And it was like, so nice. I just, I relaxed. I ate my snacks. I enjoyed the game. I feel like we have had this string of bad luck. It's like if there's a 50-50 ball or something like bobbling up in the air, it's like we lost everything. Like we were so unlucky. We lost all our fumbles. Like we never could recover them. And I feel like this game against Maryland, it was like reverse. Like I remember that um, catch JD had in the end zone, like the fumble that went right into our defender's hands and he ran it in. It was just like our luck finally like flipped a switch. And it was it was really nice being on like the sunny side of the field for once because it never happens anymore. 
That's what I enjoyed about that. What stands out to you? What stands out to me? Um, I agree. It was really nice to have a game where finally I could sit back and just enjoy the game, not be super tense the whole time. Um, the thing that I do remember the, the past for Spielman, which is crazy, because like you said, everything did not go our way. But this game, it finally felt like luck was on our side. But the point that I wanted to make was the diversification of scoring. So Martinez had two passing. They both went to Spielman. But then rushing touchdowns, we had one for Martinez, McCaffrey, Mills, and Johnson. So we spread out the fun times, the good the good feelings, and we had a lot of different people getting in the end zone. You know, it was like that song, Celebrate Good Times, like we just could have been like playing in the background the whole time. That's right, with like confetti cannons. Um, yeah. And then something else that stood out to me is we talked about Lane McCallum kicking the winning field goal against Northwestern. Well, we have additional two kickers here. Waldock was the kicker and went three for three, and Martin went one for one. So we had two different kickers, but we went three for three and one for one, which was pretty good for our kicking team that, that game. Yes, we'll take victories anywhere we can. Hello. Well, I'm waiting for Megan to say something. She hasn't said anything yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was a great game. I enjoyed watching it. I especially enjoyed at the end of the game where we started to do some more creative play calling. And I remember the reverse to McCaffrey where he then passed it out to Spielman for a big gain. It was just kind of fun to get to the point in the game where you're up enough where you can kind of be loose and try some new things. <laughs> We should just wrap it up. <laughs> okay. All right. We got one more. All right. Here we go. Ready? At number one, drum roll, please. <laughs> number one, we have LSU season. So we all have a couple different points of why we picked it. Um, who wants to start off? All right. I got a joke. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? Ed. Ed who? <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> okay, you can't do a drum roll, but you can do that. <laughs> Did you get it? Yes, because you can't understand anything he says. Yes. Okay, it didn't come off quite the way I practiced it, but... <laughs> I thought maybe at first you were trying to be a tiger, but then I was like, no, it's because you can't understand him. So even if he was saying, it's Ed here, you would be able to get it. Right, I was trying to do his voice, but... Quote Tigers. Okay, yeah, that was a good one. Megan, why don't you just go? Okay, well, I felt like the LSU season was kind of the trifecta of awards. They had the Heisman. <laughs> why are you laughing every time I start talking? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just done. I can't do this. She's laughing at herself still. I'm just going to sit here and try and be quiet while you guys talk about this. A great idea. <laughs> Okay, well, my confidence is, like, really low right now. <laughs> Megan's just not on our level. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Megan. All right, the LSU season was a trifecta of awards. <laughs> I'm like, seriously, you guys, we've got to be able to get through this and wrap this up. It's not me. <laughs> Can you just shut my microphone off? Okay, I'm sorry, because you sound really professional. Trifecta. Okay, I'm going to do it this time. No, I don't sound professional because I'm trying to talk and I'm like so distracted by the tackling. <laughs> so we picked the LSU season. Obviously, they were the national champions. They also had a Heisman winner. And just of how they peaked at the right time. Everyone loves Coach O. 
So overall, it was kind of that that fairy tale season that was exciting to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think LSU really was America's team this year. I think a lot of people were rooting for them, even people who don't normally pull for LSU, just because of the charisma of the team, Coach O, Joe Burrow, the amazing talent that they had, and sort of like you said, that fairy tale season. Um, they really couldn't have written it any better than it turned out. It was a once in a lifetime season. Yeah, and I think people are ready for someone other than Clemson and Bama. And so they kind of came along. And for the most part, if you really didn't want to see Clemson or Bama, you had two choices. And I think LSU had a little bit more of the look at the heartstrings than Ohio State did. So they're very likable. Yeah, the one thing I do like, the, um, you know, I don't like that Joe Burrow went there. I don't think he would have had, I mean, obviously he wouldn't have had the season with us that he did with them. I do like that his family has Nebraska roots though. And it was cool how he said that like in his family, they'd been so close to like winning, but never experienced like a national championship. And like, this was for his whole family. Yes. So congrats LSU. Yes. Congratulations. I'm not quite there yet, but yeah. I've come full circle on it. Um, something that's kind of interesting to think about as we head into the 2020 season, both for the NFL and for college football, um, typically Clemson has one of the top classes as far as talent. They have a lot of people go to the NFL. So I was doing some research on who actually has the most amount of – I actually did it based on it, like the NFL draft or the combine. Essentially, I was shocked to see that LSU had 16, and Clemson wasn't even in the top four. So – LSU had 16 invites, Michigan and Ohio State had 11, and Bama had 10. Um, so a couple things that struck me there, like I said, one, I was surprised Clemson didn't have more, and two, how does Michigan have 11 and they still cannot win any games, like any big game? Like, I'm leading to your point, Amy. Okay, that was my point. That was my point. How can they get so much talent every year? And he's like, and that's, but my question was, do you guys think Harbaugh is finally going to be like fired if he doesn't win something this year? I thought he was on the hot seat this year. Yeah, I know. I know he, he was like on the hot seat, but I think like, do you think if they don't win something like a big 10 championship or just like do something this year, do you think he's finally going to be fired? I just don't know who they're going to hire. I think if they have another season, like they had this season where I mean how many wins did they have nine well they got blown out though once or twice I know but I just I mean they can't beat Ohio State no they can't I don't know I think I don't know it's hard to say I just don't know who they would hire some young up-and-comer that's just hungry for something like at this point Harbaugh can't win so here's the thing here's what I don't understand though is he recruits really really well he has the talent he just runs offenses and defenses that don't make sense of the kind of players that he has I'm, I'm a little confused by it but here's the other thing too he signed a seven-year contract in 2014 so maybe the hot seat's coming up in a couple years not to say you obviously can't kick people out. Hello, Willie Taggart. But um, he, he's getting quite a bit of money. And like Megan said, I just don't think there's any other candidate out there right now that would be worth it to forego that money they're paying him. So we'll see. Yes, we will see. We will see. Well, <laughs> okay. well hopefully we will see. Hopefully the college uh, football season will happen. Everybody stay inside, self-quarantine, practice social distancing, wash those hands, and be sure to check out our next podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to College Dame Day. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, hit us up. We are at College Dame Day on Facebook, 
Twitter, and Instagram. Join us again next week for more college football content.